2: What happened is as soon as I finished my my feedback she was holding back tears and I was confused with his response and she said "Raf, I'm six months into management and nobody told me what I'm good at what I'm great at all I hear is the criticism
3: hey guys you're now listening to the coaches network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete talent and personal development my name is coach Yas and I'm a UEFA license football coach coach developer and content creator I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name is Coach Yes, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Today, my guest is Raph Barron. Good morning, Raph, How are you? Good
2: morning. I'm feeling great. Feeling great and excited about having this conversation about the topic that is so close to my heart. I'm so passionate about and so important, right? Feedback. So, wow, what a conversation. What a what a way to start my day. Thank you for having me.
3: Well, look, Raph, You know, thank you for being with me this morning. Um, first I just want to start off by giving the listeners the opportunity to understand who you are so maybe for those that aren't familiar with yourself and the work that you do would you mind just giving us a bit of a, bit of a back- backdrop as to what that is
2: yeah absolutely so today I follow my own journey with with passion of coaching others developing others although it's no longer within the sport like yourself but I always have this nagging of helping others grow and get better as a former athlete and and I set myself on this goal to humanized feedback conversations globally because feedback is so important to me and so to do that I work as a feedback coach I work with managers and teams helping them developing engaging thriving a real-time feedback culture uh, but I'm also a podcast host and my podcast is called Coaching Leaders um, and it all really ties up to the idea of giving back and helping others grow even more because I truly believe yes sir that the more we grow as individuals the more we can contribute back to our society and make this world better so that's what I do. Brilliant. Thank you for that. And obviously, you know, you
3: talked there about, you know, the, the topic that we're going to be discussing, you know, is essentially how to give effective feedback, what mm. feedback is and, you know, what that looks like. So just to kind of start us off on that then, for you, what is feedback exactly?
2: Wow, this is a very good question and a tough one because I don't really spend that much time thinking what really feedback is because it gets me back to what we know, what we've been told feedback is. And because the way we tend to provide and share the feedback it's, it's broken, it's outdated, it no longer works as it was designed back in the 50s. Uh, was, that was when for the first time feedback really turned up into the workplace and managers started using it as a, as a tool effectively. And today is just a ways of letting you know what I think. And, and that's not what feedback really should be. So in fact, I'm trying to walk away from term giving a feedback because we have this association this belief that, hey, I tell you what I think and then you do it with whatever you want. And there is no support on the back of it. So in a way, feedback to me is, is a jump starter to a coaching conversation. So you start often that feedback conversation, coaching conversation with the feedback, with your, what you've observed, what you've noticed, and you just carry on all the way throughout the supportive part, the coaching part, if you will. So really feedback is about having a conversation with another person to help you become the best version of yourself, not just to share my opinion and my job is done, right?
3: Definitely. And I think, you know, you talked about feedback being outdated, you know, the people are coming up with new terms now, um, in terms of, you know, feed forward. Hmm. Um, you know, the idea of obviously feeding back is it just always, I think straight away the connotation is it's all about what's happened in the past. And there's no kind of action plan or progression routes from that yeah. point onwards. I think that's a really important point that you make there as well. So I guess from that perspective then, um, Would you mind sharing maybe some examples where you felt that in your experience, feedback has been affected and and maybe some examples where you felt actually it was great to maybe the the effort was there or the intent was there, but there was no really progression from it because I guess the process in which it followed wasn't uh, thorough, I guess. Yes, yes.
2: I'll share with you guys a story that changed my whole perspective and view on feedback. So a bit of a background. I'm also an athlete, a former professional athlete, and I spent 14 years as a freestyle wrestler competing internationally. And so for me, feedback is organic, is natural. and And I spent 14 years in an environment when every single day I've been given so much feedback that it becomes part of me. When I transitioned into the working sport, or sort of working place, because well, freestyle wrestling isn't football, it doesn't pay the wages the same way. Mm-hmm. And I've realized it, the whole relationship is completely different. But I still stuck with my athlete-like mindset around feedback. And three years ago, I have provided unsolicited feedback to a girl named Rick Regan. I didn't know her. I just observed her working in a restaurant, how amazing she is as a manager. And my background is hospitality. So my working experience is within hospitality. And I thought, wow, she's amazing. I need to let her know how great she is because it's just pleasure to watch her. And so eventually I figured out the best way to do that is to find a moment when I'm one-on-one with her and she went for a cigarette. And I thought, you know what, that's a good time to do so. Although I was worried how she might take it. So I prepared myself because you know, I'm a stranger and I've anticipated all the different responses but one that actually happened. And what happened is, as soon as I finished my, with my feedback, she was holding back tears. And I was confused with this response. And she said, "Raf, I'm six months into management. And nobody told me what I'm good at, what I'm great at. All I hear is the criticism. And that really stuck with me because I realized that we look at feedback as a tool to improve your performance. And that's right. That's true. But there is a bigger picture here, yes, sir. And the bigger picture is to withhold feedback from people is to manipulate with people growth and happiness and emotional well-being. Because think for a second, whether it's a football player that have great aspirations and wants to do well, and you don't really receive the the good feedback, the coaching feedback, or you're an employee or junior manager, eventually you start questioning yourself. Am I doing something wrong? Am I the right person for the position? Like you're coming back home and you start doubting yourself. Your confidence being knocked down and it all only snowballs from then onward. So feedback is, is really important to remember, guys, that sharing it, it also influences how we feel moving forward for good and for bad. So that's the example. That, the, that example would be something that reminds you guys it's important to share the positive part. And I only spent five minutes with it, not even that, three minutes. It took me three minutes to be very specific. And focus on her behaviors rather than saying, "Hey, well done! I really, you know, enjoy how you work." So I made it. We'll go into it a little bit later. I wait. You know, I used few things to to make it very meaningful. But the most important part here was I did it. I went and approached on my own, and I shared a positive feedback. And her experience was all I hear is the negative. When I make a mistake, my manager will tell me, right? So that would be the the, the negative part of the feedback. Um, you also asked me there, the positive one, and I always go back to working with my mentor, Kieran. Now, throughout my career in the working place, I only had one coach-like leader to work for. But one is enough to change my life and to change everything in my life. And the way he would share the feedback, he, it would be that, number one, he would share everything that is relevant. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is and how insignificant it might seem to you but also ask a lot of questions and make you give you the answer. So he would use that feedback, but then he would ask you a question at the end and you just have to do the all hard work. And that's when we will truly grow because we can contextualize everything. We can learn, we can you know have a conversation and it becomes a conversation. And then, hey, I've noticed you doing this and this, walk away. So one of the best examples that I always share that Kieran did with me, that it seemed insignificant perhaps, but it's so important. He sat down with me and he said, Raf do you realize that when we have management meeting, you seemed like you're disengaged? And I'm like, no, kidding Like, I'm paying my, my attention. Like, I'm genuinely, I'm absorbing it. Is that what you do, Raf? is you're looking up to the ceiling when people talk. And I was like, hmm, didn't realize that I do that. But I said, Kirin, let me explain what, uh, what I do at the time. So yes, if I'm in a management meeting with you, and you're presenting to me some ideas, and you're explaining things. What I do is I'm trying to contextualize what you're saying. And the way my brain works is it's almost as if you go to the car shop, right? And you have like 20 TV screens. I project the one scenario, one screen, the potential solution to another one. What's the process in here? And I kind of like very visual and kind of jumping from ideas to ideas. And my body follows it, looking up the ceiling and kind of like flickering my eyes. To you, if you don't know, it looks like I'm bored, I'm disengaged, I don't want to listen to you, I'm, I'm disrespectful to you, right? That was my intention at all. And so what he did is just shed his observation about something that might seem insignificant to others that was so crucial because I was, I was diminishing the trust and the relationship with my people around me. That wasn't my intention. But he asked me, what's going on in here? What do you do? And how, what are you going to do later? And how I'm going to solve it? That sort of thing. So this is kind of like a great example of a quick five-minute conversation that literally changed the way I behave, changed the way my relationships was being built with people around me and everything else.
3: I think you make some very good points. And I want to kind of take you back to that first, the first example. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, what the, what, the, what the lady said was that, you know, actually quite, it wasn't that uncommon. You know, people people think, mm. right, someone's going to give me some feedback. Straight away, your brain goes, right, okay, let me get ready for it. Yep. What have you got to say about what I've done? And it, it tends to be a negative thing. And, you know, certainly in, in the world that I work in, uh, I find myself uh, the type of coach I am. It's mm-hmm. very much about helping players develop, a, a, I guess, a, a greater sense of self-awareness. Um, yeah. Just more specifically with the sport, but just generally as well. Yes. Um, and for me, the best way of doing that is asking those questions and having those discussions with those players or those athletes. And I think for me in particular, if, especially if I've just recently uh, entered that environment also, or the athletes entered in my environment, that initial process can be quite... Uh, challenging for the for the athlete, i observed mm-hmm. that their first thing of oh, what he's taught, he's about to say, give me some feedback. Right, what have I done wrong? He's yes. asking me a question. Is he trying to catch me out? No, yeah. I'm just genuinely curious as to what your perception of what the, of the situation mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. you know, I think it, you know it's a very important point to make in the sense that that lady who you spoke to, she's so used to getting negative criticism, um, that brings me on to my next point. In, in something that you said there, you highlighted a positive. And yes, you know, I just want to kind of delve into that a little bit more before we go on to some of the other stuff around how important it is to give that praise, but also mm-hmm. give praise because that's great. I can I can be telling you well done all the time, but if I don't give you any reference points as to what you've actually done well, I'm now not necessarily giving you any practical step to kind of maybe go forward and re-implement to look back at it and think, oh gosh, I didn't realise I was doing that well. Um, because you have one perception of it, the person on the outside looking in has got a different perception of it. And if mm-hmm. the person on the outside looking in is, is identifying that as a, a positive or you know, a good behavior, then you're probably going to want to implement that furthermore because that's going to get you more results, essentially. Mm-hmm. So kind of, would you mind just, you know, just talking into a little bit around that aspect of how important it is that we do actually give reference points mm-hmm. or, or representative examples of what we're actually praising them for or vice yeah. versa, if they're not doing quite well, what we're actually referring to as well.
2: Yes, well, so on point, I'm glad you've mentioned it, that a vague positive feedback, right? It has, a, it has, it loses the meaning eventually, but look, positive feedback is one of the most underutilized, but most powerful coaching tool that you can have because you are in control of highlighting the behaviors that you want to see more of from your people, from your team, from your players, from your, from, from your employees. And we, we, when we're sharing it, we can make it meaningful and, and specific to highlight that takes the person to the point where they want to arrive, or you want them to be, or the, whatever the vision is within your team. So you have mentioned about you trying to, or you're working on improving self-awareness. In very important skill, right? So rather than saying at the end of the game for coaches and for parents, hey you did really well today, you, you enjoy your game, what guys you want, you know, you're really good, you were one of the best players on the pitch, I'm proud of you. Well, that's OK, but what happens is you just only made that person feel good about themselves for a short second, for a short time, but they can't contextual, they can't learn from it. And eventually, what's, what's important, eventually, if you do only that way, they will start questioning your credibility, right? You're just taking the box, that box exercise, right? Now if you explain why you like that person, you know, you say that because your awareness is incredible. You know, the moment when there was a corner taken. So think about Liverpool game versus Barcelona, right? The awareness part, <laughs> when they take this freaking corner and the whole team just will completely non-self-aware, right? So you could just praise, well, that wasn't just, you know, good shout, good call, but you could just drop that term of self-awareness, uh, such a great self-awareness at that particular moment that you took that corner, you noticed this and you, and you passed the ball and that happened. And so when you're taking it, you take it into your coaching field, and you start observing your team, when those examples when they are self-aware. And you praise them. Hey, you're really aware in that situation. This is what was happened. You stay focused. You stay sharp on it. Well done. That's what takes you to be a champion. That's what makes the difference. So that would make a difference to me, to you, to the team. You can start linking it. How, what difference did it make to the team, to you? More importantly, to that individual, right? Because that individual has... Your own goals. He wants to be the best striker in the world. He wants to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Or he wants to have a clean sheet. Whatever the goal is, you can stand and playing around with positive feedback and linking it. Right? That level of self-awareness takes you to sign that contract that you want, or takes you to be that you know the leading scorer. Whatever the goal is, you can start using it. And I was like, wow, he's actually paying attention. He remembers what my goals are. He remembers where I want to go. And now he's praising. He's taking time to observe it and let me know. And here's another point, why it's so important. You've mentioned something important at the beginning that when we say, I have some feedback for you, those those words, people like, well, what's what I've done wrong, that assumption. Because feedback has the negative connotation right now. Because number one, we tend to assume negative things as human beings. Number two, most of the feedback in our life is negative. So we are already assuming it's going to be negative and we have to start defending ourselves, right? What you can do, with positive feedback, what you're actually doing is you're starting aligning that your intention, and you mentioned your intention is to help your players, especially if you take your new team on, but they don't know that. Well, they know, but they have to see the alignment between your intention and the perception. You, your intention might be to be
4: not being perceived that way
2: what i'll do i'll assume that you're against me not with me just by how you're sharing the feedback so what positive feedback does is it helps you start aligning that perception intention and overriding that negative label that feedback has the more positive feedback experiences you can have in your life the easier future conversations will be because you you, you're changing the ratio right in the process
3: i think you're just on that you talk there about that element, I think, is very key. I want to kind of bring you back to the other point that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Coming back to your example of our perceptions of others and whether they're actually paying attention. or You're giving an example about you know you could be looking up and whatnot. I think a lot of times that that's that you know that's certainly in, in my environment. Like you, you, I look at players sometimes. they pay? Look at like not paying attention, but actually, I, I then think to myself, actually, I'm like that like, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I might not be looking directly at what's going on, but I'm, but I'm paying, I am paying attention and it's going in here and yeah. it's actually being absorbed. And I'm, I think having that understanding of different people and the way they actually work and the way they actually take on board information is very important as well. Um And I think obviously having those conversations with the individuals to get to know them and what, mm-hmm. what makes them tick, you know, you can like, like, in your case, raise the awareness around, okay, this is actually what you're doing. I'm not sure whether you knew that this was the impact you're having. Yeah, like, uh, sure. Which is obviously very key. Um, But something that we talked about, you you mentioned it earlier on, is that word timing. Mm -hmm. How important is it? And when is the best time for feedback? Because some people say, well, it's in the moment, strike the iron while it's hot, um, or strike it while the iron's hot, rather. Or is it a case of sometimes balancing off? And maybe, would you mind going into a bit of detail around Mm -hmm. when it's best to do it? Immediate and when it's best sure. to kind of just take a step back a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'll answer this question in a minute because I don't want to forget the answer to something that you've mentioned a second ago. You've mentioned about football players, they look like they don't pay attention, but they actually do. And so, from the feedback perspective, from, from the coaches, if you didn't approach that player and you say, Hey, Yassar, you didn't pay attention, you wouldn't focus on the situation, what happens if he was? Then, well, you criticize me. You don't even know full story. What's your intention? What's, what's what you want to achieve in here? Why are you criticizing me? You don't even know full story. It's like who you are to criticize me almost as if. So the, the language here is very important. In this situation, it seemed like you were unfocused and let them explain. So you're not saying, hey, this is definite. You know, I call it, I, I always say this, like you're sharing your truth as the truth. It's like my kid, like nine years old, Xavier always says, this is the best song in the world, or this is the worst song in the world. No, no, no. It's in your opinion and your perception. But when you're saying this is the best song in the world, to me, there is a conflict here immediately because we're going against our own beliefs and what we know. right? What's my, what I think, what you think. So in that context, if the players seem to be unfocused, whether it is or not, the language should be you seemed unfocused in that particular situation. Right? Well, how was it for you like? And then, so that's a lot safer. And now is the conversation. You're not judging, you're not criticizing me. You are allowing me to enter the conversation. So that just, just quickly wanted to say, because I didn't want to forget yeah, about the point.
3: From that though, you know, I think it's very important that you make that point. Because you know, something kind of springs out to me is that language and how we're discussing things with players and all athletes, whoever we're discussing with really. And I've had certainly had time where, you know, rather than telling them what it seemed like to start with, I often ask the questions, well, you know, when that was happening, what, 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 was, you know, what were you thinking? Um, just to kind of read because that that might all of a sudden not require. Well, it seemed. Yeah. Um, sure. Because now I've got now I've got an understanding of it. Because um again, it, it, and it is a communication piece, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, the understanding of what you what is it that you were trying to do there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If I understand that, then it, it doesn't really matter what it seemed like. Um, sure. If I assess that your intentions and your thing was on the long, the right track, I can kind of leave you to it. Really, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. Yeah. Um, so So, sorry go on
2: yeah so now i need your help a little bit bit to to build that bridge between working world and and with the world of sport what you're saying is absolutely fine because you're giving that autonomy and you're allowing the other person to express themselves and you get this full context here um of course it's important to align your tone of the language and body language to it because what were you thinking is different to hey what were you thinking at that time right it's it's two different things so the, the tonality is really important now in the working sport in the working world, the the, it seems like sometimes it's important because it also contextualizes the potential way that how you're coming across to another person. Because if I only ask you how you what what happened at time, you tell me, and then I don't tell you or won't explain that because it's you seemed like and the perception of you was like, then the person can't really contextualize Mm -hmm. what happened. Why am I asking this question, Right. right? And it might, be the, it might be the risk that you always ask the question, but I don't see the, 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 the real purpose behind it. Like, you know, all so certainty Certainty is really important for us as a human being. So if you keep on asking those questions, but don't really explain your point of view and what you perceived it as, I'll be thinking, but well, why did you ask this question? What was the, you know, you had some intention. There was something on the back, but you haven't shared it with me yet. And yeah. so it might not be picked up straight away, but eventually you're risking going that the way that people be uncertain why you're asking it. So if you contextualize after it, brilliant.
3: Sure. No, hundred percent. I totally agree with it. Cause certainly there's been times where I might ask a question, throw a question and then for someone to think about, but actually I don't close the loop straight away. Mm, good. I good. Want, I want them to think about it. I want mm-hmm. them to start, you know, being a bit curious and then it, it might even prompt for them to come back to me at a later point. But why did you ask me that? Yeah. And, and at that point I could respond, but what, what have you thought about it since? Mm-hmm. And just really kind of and, and, and you know but i think you know you make a point then i think it is important you know if you're going to open that loop you do have to close it at some point otherwise that curious curiosity will always just kind of be there and You it, in some cases you'll kill the cat
2: yeah um, uncertainty uncertainty just it's, it's just killing is one of the biggest stresses that we have the uncertainty so absolutely 100 um,
3: another point that you made there Raff, earlier you know you talked there about again giving that advice to the lady at the restaurant um was it a restaurant was it
2: yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah. She, she worked in a restaurant yeah
3: um, you use the word or use the term unsolicited advice
4: mm-hmm.
3: now this could be an area of conflict mm-hmm. of contention but you know would you mind just maybe going into that part because a lot of people, we don't know what people's perceptions are. we don't know how yep. people are going to perceive things and take on board uh, on any unsolicited advice um How do we get to the point where actually we establish? Should I really be giving advice here? Is it something that because you know sometimes they say well, if people are, haven't asked for it, don't give it. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna yeah. hit the nerve. Here. I'm gonna hit the nerve here and, and go against a certain common wisdoms that are floating around, which I believe contribute to a poor feedback perception and, and the whole concept. Now, first and foremost, I am against asking for permission to give feedback. You, if you would work with me again, I'll leave. I leave things. I always allow you know managers and whoever I work with to, to choose for themselves. But I'd like to present it as an as an alternative. I, you will never ask. You'll never hear me asking for permission to share the feedback, because because I believe we all want to grow and we all have moral duty to help another person. If I if I see if I if, look sorry, if I have a piece of information that I know will help you, will help your emotional well being, will help you push your career forward then why would I hold it back? So the question no longer is, should I, should I not? Is the question is how and how do I earn the right to provide that feedback? Because if I work hard to earn the right, to align my perception with with my intention, with the perception, my intention is to help you. And if you believe that I'm here to help you and I build that trust with you and through positive feedback is a huge part of that, then I'm earning that right. To share it because you know, my sheer intention is to help, not to criticize, not to diminish your social status, which is important. That's how it's perceived often, especially in criticism. If you're challenging people, right? Now, in terms of positive feedback, why would I choose, say, you know, choosing between yes and no? Like, I just need to make you feel good about yourself, right? It, it's so important to do so. So I think feedback should be always given. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe not, maybe not as a feedback sometimes, because again, let's just go back to the feedback is I, I'll let you know what I think and I walk away from it. Don't do that. Because if you share unsolicited feedback like that, you just literally look like you're jumping out of nowhere, criticizing me and, and running away. And then you're against me, not with me. So you just have to start working your ways. How do you share it? So it's perceived as supportive. But I wouldn't say that we shouldn't share the feedback. Now, sometimes, again, we can then start going into what will then you would just say everything that we think about people. No, it's there is that balance. But what I'm saying is, don't get stuck in mindset that I shouldn't say something because a person suffers, I and mean, they may take it in the wrong way, or they may, you know, just figure out the better way of doing so rather than just walking away. Because you know what, people don't ask for the feedback, and that's another thing that we could talk on and on about it. Yeah. And the higher you go, the lonelier it gets. Now you're the coach how much feedback do you get on your coaching abilities?
4: This,
3: this this, is the thing, you know, you, you, interesting what you say there is, I think that not enough, I think because of, you know, we talked to you earlier that there is a negative connotation around this feedback piece mm-hmm. uh, and because of that, I think just naturally we're less inclined to maybe ask for feedback unless mm-hmm. we have um, naturally, or maybe have worked towards a, or adopting, or maybe a more growth mindset, where we actually want to get yeah. better, we want to develop, and we're not. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. No one wants to hear that they're not doing anything right, essentially. But
4: mm-hmm.
3: also, more people. You, know, you know, they say you know people do more to avoid pain than they would to seek pleasure. Yes. Um. So, you, you're you, right. You, you open yourself up a little if you're asking for feedback. But I think there's a couple things in there for me, I think and it will be interesting to get your views on this as well. For me, the first one is if you don't ask, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. The second thing is if you don't know, then you won't know. Hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the other piece is obviously actually if I want to get better at something, I have, to, I have to be willing to take the feedback on. So, you know, on that note, when asking for that feedback, I think you need to be very specific too, right? Um, so you know, we can sit and hope and wait that people like yourself and you know, I, I would consider myself you know similar in that respect. But I would, I would give you feedback, um, and I, uh, sometimes you know, I, the, the people have said to me that you know the feedback I'm, I might give them is a bit brutal, a bit mm-hmm. straight to the point, a bit blunt. But the way I look at it is, well, do you want to get there now or later? <laughs> Right, um, and if I can if I can get you straight from A to B with just one message, rather than having to sugarcoat it, go around the house, mm. it, then why am I going to waste time? The more time I take to get that information across to you,
4: mm-hmm. um,
3: the less time you're going to have to actually implement it. Sure. So, for, so for me, you know, one of the things that I do in one of my roles is I work as a coach educator. Mm-hmm. So I support coaches through some of the qualifications and help them. You know. Guess upskill them in that respect, and um, one of the parts of my role is obviously providing the an observation and feedback element. Um, but at times, like you know, I, I'll be honest, and I'll say that you know, at times I'll kind of I am quite straight to the point and blunt. So if even if I ask you a question, if I can see that you're going down a completely different path that might not be relevant to where I actually need you to end up or where you're mm-hmm. trying to end up that you think is going to take you, I will issue stop you there. Nope let's look at this instead. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if, you know, if you start waffling, nope, think about the question I've asked you. Yeah. Not what you're, not what you think that you want to answer or what you want to answer, what answer you want to give me. Think about the question that I've actually asked and give Mm -hmm. me an answer to that question. Yeah. sure. Um, And I think that, you know, that is for some people quite difficult to kind of take. Um,
2: I mean, -hmm. what are your experiences with that sort of thing? Sure. So I'll, I'll I'll start with that question then. The, we need to be direct, on point, because sugarcoating and, and, and working and you know, you know, beating around the bush is, is not a good strategy because people will just wait for the real question, for the real feedback. And, and you, again, you're creating that uncertainty and you're just increasing the, the stress levels during the conversation. So we have to be on point. Now, two things. One thing that I would have mentioned, the relationship that you build leading you up to that point of the conversation, if you have established and almost earned that right to challenge me directly will play a huge role in it. And number two is how you are sharing the feedback in the moment that indicates your intention. So one way that I'm working around that is always linking my feedback, no matter how direct it is, with your goal, Yasa. So if somebody is walking away and going towards the direction that you don't want, and they're walking away, you've mentioned that they're walking away from your initial question. But what really happens is they're walking away from the goal that they're working towards. Because you've asked the question to get them to A, and they start answering towards the B. So the introduction could be, look, we are heading away from what we're trying to achieve. We wanted to achieve that. And the question that you're answering is is taking out in different directions, a different conversation for another time. Right now, we've decided to focus on that goal of yours that you told me you want to improve. You don't have to say it that way, but it has to sound that way. right? So you told me you want to be the best goalkeeper. right? Or you you told me that you want to improve your your legwork as a goalkeeper but you answered me around something that's away from it.
3: Just on that then, if if someone has a goal, whatever the goal that may be, um, and they, I guess, have a path that they've kind of set they want to follow to try and get to that goal. Mm -hmm. Do you interrupt that path or do you support them along that path that they've kind of devised for themselves based on, you know, based on, where they want to end up so let's just support them with getting there in that way or is it right this is where they want to end up for you i'm going to tell you or give you my opinions and my thoughts in terms of how best you can get there
2: Mm -hmm. i think what's important to understand here is that it's your goal and the more the goal is yours you, you you take the ownership of it and you're emotionally invested in that journey now if i was to set up the goals with my with my employees then I would have that conversation. And I often have a conversation less around, I want to get into this position. I want to get to this club, like maybe in your case, or whatever, and more about how you want to be perceived as a human being, as a person, as an employee. So if you tell me you want to be self-aware, or if you tell me you want to be more empathetic or supportive leader, then you know, I have one direction. And let's just now narrow it a little bit more, a little bit more precise. So my feedback then can be a little bit more focused towards that direction. So I'll listen to what you want. And then help you maybe distill that goal or frame it a little bit better so it's not as vague. So, I want to be finally be the best goalkeeper in the world. What does that really mean? Like, who, who judges that? Are we, are we talking about uh, FIFA wo- awards? Are we talking about the least scored goals? What does that really mean? Right. So, kind of like really get grip on this, but it has to be yours, not mine. I shouldn't impose my goals on you because I'll be gone from your life, sir in two, three years, three, three years time. I hope I can contribute as much as I can, but that's your life. So, you tell me where you're heading. And if you don't have that precise goal, how would you like to be perceived as a person?
3: Just on that then, how important is it that as you, the person giving that feedback, you also have direct experience of where they want to end up? So as mm. an example, um, myself as a coach, a lot of my experience is working with 14 to kind of 23-year-olds. That's kind of like, I would say, yeah. my uh, mm-hmm. specialist age. Yeah. Um, I've got experience working with older and younger players, uh, substantial experience, but that's probably my specialist area. Now, if I had a, I guess, a, a coach that I was supporting and they were passionate about working with nines and tens, how important is it for you then that actually I have the ex I have the necessary expertise to take them where they want and not just my perceptions based on my experiences, despite not having direct experiences to the extent where they might need that support, if that makes sense?
2: Mm-hmm so are you asking me about whether me as a kid would potentially need you to understand or as a parent of the kid that you you have this expertise is that what you're asking me for or no,
3: so for instance if you're if let's say for instance you're not you're you're a coach that i might be supporting mm-hmm. uh, i'm now looking at right you want to get better at working with 10 year olds as an example mm-hmm. yeah that's not necessarily my area of expertise mm-hmm. um Yes, I've done it. Yes, I've got, I've got experience doing it, but I wouldn't call myself an, a, a specialist in that area. How important is it then for me as the individual that you're seeking that guidance from or the support from to actually turn around and say,
2: on the individual level, yeah, not as much. I would, I would, I would, I would weight your credibility based on how you're approaching, how the, how the, how you have the coaching conversations with me. Like, you know, the coach of Usain Bold wasn't the fastest person in the world, was he? Mm. But yet he helped him achieve that right so you do not necessarily need to be the best at certain things
0: what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to
2: shop today.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: convey the message, and, and help me with the skill sets that are important for that particular age group. So think about listening skills. Think about, you've mentioned growth mindset, and this is, which is a huge part of every single person on this planet, I believe, especially as an athlete. And that's what I discovered coincidentally when I was 16 years old, a growth mindset. And I've made it my tool. Like, my philosophy of my life is the growth mindset, basically. Like, I... The way I see the myself is always I'm always looking to face to face Goliath. I am always want to be a David that faces down the Goliath, meaning I need a bigger challenge in front of me. Now, let's just go back into that 10 years old, uh, to the coach I wants to work with 10 years old. You mentioned growth mindset. All you need to help me is to how do I develop growth mindset within the kids? Because I'll set them on the path, the successful path as an athlete, as a person, as a human being. If I'm able to convey that message and coach my kids, with that skill set so whether i'm working with 12 years old or eight years old growth mindset is pretty much the same now i'm not someone who worked with the age groups as a coach you know as a wrestler i work with kids with adults but it's kind of like a bit more it's kind of like all blended not as much as segmented as in your world perhaps but there are certain things that are as relevant for eight years old 15 years old and 21 years old you always have to focus on attitude. You always have to focus on details. You always have to fo- focus on a growth mindset, on the, on the mindset as a whole thing, right? The age group might, might be the difference. So for me, it would be, can you help me develop the right skills with that group that I want to work with? So self-awareness, you mentioned, huge one, right? Growth mindset, huge one. If you can help me understand those concepts and convey those concepts to my pupils, to my players, my, my employees, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think, you
3: know, y- you're right and that it's about, again, we're just trying to get to a, the same end goal. And obviously, you know, one of, I think it's really important to highlight the things that we touched earlier about the, about the, the goal itself and then taking ownership of that. And I think that's really important. I think I guess, I guess that kind of really answered the question in the sense that, you know, I've kind of already got support myself, or support the, whoever that is I'm supporting with, um, based online with their goals, but obviously just lending my experience. But I think one of the key bits, and I think for me is it's the element of transparency And being honest with them and saying, look, these are my, this is my skill set. I can help you with this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in times where that's been the case for me, it's almost like I can help you with that. I wouldn't consider myself a specialist in Anything I don't know, I will go and find out and I will let you know. I think that's that's a real key part to that as well. So I guess, you know, kind of just to kind of move things on then. So what would you say is for you some key steps in terms of identifying the right times to give the feedback yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. generally feedback is considered after the fact Mm -hmm. um after the event um but actually it could be ongoing it could be during the event too or whatever that might be whether that's an event whether that's a you know whatever it is
2: yeah so i think I always use my, on my workshop example, imagine a football coach would see with a team every six rounds or every, every term and provide them the feedback. Where would they be? They wouldn't be a champions, right? It has to be ongoing. But well, let's, just, let's just break it down a little bit more. I think the closer to the, to the, to the event, to, the, to, the, to what the feedback is about, the better. But you have to be self-aware, as you've mentioned. You really need to understand, is it really now the best time to do it, or in five minutes? Not in three weeks, in five minutes or now? So maybe if you are working and help me to contextualize it, but if you're working and taking the corners, for instance, you got to observe and step in and just help them position themselves a little bit differently as a group, maybe as an individuals. And then you follow through at the end of the session with more specific for the individual. So you sort of go, hey, you know what? In, in that setting, I'll ask you to be in this position because that's how you benefit. How did you feel when I moved you there? And you follow up with the conversation. I think the feedback needs to be done in a very, very timely manner. If you criticize, try to do it away from the group. But again, this part of wall world is a little bit different than working environment. We are a bit more absorbent to being criticized. Again, it depends on the relationship you have. But, uh, but if you are continuously criticizing one person versus the others, you're risking something. Now, the language of your feedback is also important. So and here's something that is really important. Let's just say, let's just stick to this a setting of taking corners, for instance. If I keep on telling you that, hey, you didn't do that well, hey, you didn't do this, or you can't do that, that's very criticizing, and I will shield myself. Because if you, if you tend to use the word you within first three words, it's very kind of like pushing you, pushing you back when it's all about me. Instead, focus on either the behavior or the skill. So your timing isn't right. Yeah your timing needs to improve.
3: Yeah, and just just on that, sorry, Raf, I, I think you make a great point. And it's, it's been a topic of discussion I've been having over the recent weeks and months, um, more specifically in a sporting context, because it is, you know, it is very different in a sporting context to, I guess, the working life and, you know, you know, just day to day, I guess. Because um, obviously when it comes to sport, there's a lot of uh, more, more specific technical aspects that come into this. Um, and even mm-hmm. on a practical level, you know, and I, I give, You know, I've been having this conversation with a few people recently, and obviously, the world of sport has evolved so much. Mm -hmm. um, Where it's not none of the sports, really, the major sports anyway, they're not really about just the technical aspects of the sports anymore. Now it is just a more holistic approach, Um, and that's not just in football; that's you know, basketball, tennis, you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people who, in my opinion. Coming through as coaches now certainly the ones i've come across and even even not even just just generally people in 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 my industry anyway i feel starting to lack some of that technical aspect of things so their feedback does become quite generic and Mm -hmm. you know you didn't do that well okay but you tell me i didn't do it well but also show me and teach me how i can get it right Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's part of the feedback process so i guess you know coming back to one of my points earlier about having those expertise and that experience you know that kind of links back into that really it's like if i don't have that knowledge yeah. surely part of my feedback process is do you know what if i don't know what i'm going to say to you to help you then i shouldn't say anything
2: tough one i've um, you know I, I support barcelona since i'm a kid and very often I hear, it. The, the, it doesn't matter which coach it is, whether it's Guardiola, Luis Enrique, is like, what, what can I teach Messi? Like, what, what can I teach him? Like, I'm nowhere near him, like, even if it's somebody like Guardiola, right? But they can't teach things, and they did. I just read recently an article with, um, sorry, interview with Messi, and he says Guardiola is the best coach because he showed me so much tactical aspects of the game that I, I just blew my mind and I thought I've learned everything and Luis Enrique showed me a different size of tactical game and so here's the thing they weren't focusing on teaching him how to operate with his left foot better they're not an expert aren't they yeah. but they can improve his mental framework they yeah. can improve his self-awareness positioning etc so you you need to you need to understand what your feedback is towards and yes sometimes it's you know like if if I'm not an expert at taking headers, but if I can see that your explosive power to jump as high as Cristiano Ronaldo isn't there, well, then of course I can share it at one. Yeah, but, but I, I won't you, say, oh, yeah,
3: just on that, equally, I think it was important to you know, what do we consider as an expert? Because an expert could be someone that is maybe very knowledgeable and uh, understanding the finer detail and the breakdown of something, but they maybe not doesn't necessarily mean they're able to apply it mm-hmm. themselves for different reasons, whether that be because physically they're, they're incapable of doing so or you know, um, or rather. They can apply it, but maybe not be able to do it with the same amount of pressures. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they might be able to do something isolated, unopposed, and no one, no interference. But obviously that's where you become more skilled and that's what makes the players even better than the rest of them. Um, So I think, you know, just to kind of make a point on that, I think you can still be considered an expert on something Mm -hmm. without actually being able to perform it yourself. Does that make sense?
2: Of course. And I think if you look in the world of sport, like I've mentioned, the coach of Wissam isn't the fastest guy in the world, isn't he? Um, but the question now, so, so let's just look at it differently. So, Yasser, yeah, my question to you would be, if, if your concern is that I'm not an expert, and I shouldn't provide the feedback. And so let's just use the concept I have mentioned earlier of earning the right and positioning yourself as an expert, as a coach, not an expert in taking corners, as a coach. Where could you earn that trust, that credibility through helping that particular player and players to become an expert and better at something and when you do that, then when you help them develop an area that you not an the expert, they will listen more likely towards you. Because they don't question your intention, your credibility. Right? If the second you allow me to question your intention, your credibility, I want to listen. And so in the working environment, it would be something like using generic language. So managers, and we all as human beings actually, we have this nagging of saying, hey, you're always, you're always late. Or you never respond to my messages. Right? Here's what happens in a split second in my mind. If I know that always or never wasn't the case, then to me, you're lying, you're bending the truth. So what's your intention now? Why would you say it if you know that it's not that I never take the garbage out? Occasionally, yes, recently, yes, but not never. So now my focus point is no longer about the garbage or about not texting back. My focus is on your intention because you just said something that isn't truth by adding that you never do that. Yeah. And I'm starting questioning your credibility. So now, if we take it to your coaching world and you are not an expert in corner things, I'm using this as an example, so, yeah. we, so we stay with it. And you approach to me and your feedback is, hey, you don't take well as well, or you, you're not really good at it. Then my, my first thought would be the credibility part. Who are you to tell me, right? So, my, so think about it that way. You, you're directing the spotlight, the focus point where it is. If I'm, if I'm not the expert, so I shouldn't, spo- I shouldn't direct the spotlight on the fact that you're going to criticize my level of expertise by saying you're not doing that good. Because the bounce back story in pe- pe- people's head is, who are you to criticize me? Mm. You haven't earned that trust yet. And the way you phrased yourself wasn't right. So you may not earn that trust yet, but if you phrase it wrongly, you'll be criticizing. You're allowing yourself, you're opening yourself to, to walk that path. So you have to pay attention how you share that feedback.
3: Sure. And I think you know, if it, if I'm just, as you're talking, it kind of resonates with me a little bit. And I'm thinking, what about in times where you've got someone maybe potentially giving some feedback, but actually the feedback that they're giving isn't something necessarily they practice themselves.
2: Because I think I th- again, I'm not sure about the coaching. Well, when I'm when I'm when I do my wrestling things, and I, and I do a little bit more wrestling with my son now, because he's into the rugby and with some you know um, MMA fighters. don't think too much how i provide the feedback i just focus on helping you and it just i can't stop it like it's just the way it is but i've earned the right to to be that way now partially i think managers and coaches are the same is because we have this title therefore we think we can say whatever i've been hired we understand the 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 level of power here the the, the formality the the hierarchy here so i'll use it as a tool and we because we don't know how to necessarily share it. And we have to get the results. We have to win the games. We have to hit the quarterly uh, results at workplace. The only two that I have right now is the, the authority. And by the time you know, you just stick to it. And you don't think how you provide the feedback. And because maybe you didn't have the best role examples in the past, you just replicate what they say. So you replicate the feedback sandwich, say something nice, you know, then criticize. And they say something nice so they feel good about themselves. Wrong. Don't do that. But because nobody really giving us time to to do that, that's when we that's what we do. So my advice probably would be think about your own examples. When you don't didn't feel comfortable when feedback was shared with you, what were the components of it? And I always break it down down to few words that you're using right at the beginning because the first few seconds are critical. If I say why didn't you do this, you are going to be on your back foot straight away. Mm. You know the why is very investigative. It's very kind of like why 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 you didn't do. It's like Probably one of the worst combinations I can use in terms of creating psychological safety. So walk away from wise. Think about how, how, what, like youth machine. Will what, what you think about it? You know, you know how how did that impact you? What were you working towards? What was your goal when you did that? Not why did you do what I asked you to do it. Another example. I just wrote it down actually in here. Through your ongoing language with your team, if somebody isn't listening, rather than saying, "Hey, you don't listen when I talk." or you didn't listen what I said, or somebody makes the mistakes and you've asked them to do A, they do B. And you go, hey, you didn't listen what I asked you. This is not what I asked. This is not what I asked for it. What you're doing is you're saying that the level of power, the the social status in here, I'm higher than you. And the player thinks I'm the one who scores the goals. I'm the one who's on the first face pages. I'm the one who, who wins the trophies for us. So using that language, you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to what I said, kind of, you know, t- clashes it here. So, hey, you would not focused is better than you didn't listen or, or please stay focused, right? So pay attention yeah. to how you phrase it yourself. Don't make it about yourself, about, you know, another thing, I, I don't know how, you, maybe you tell me how much uh, you're using it in the sporting world. But when I listen to managers, is they, they go in and say, can you do that for me? Can you do this for me? I don't want you to do, to do it again. And what you are really doing here and saying is, you are making it about you. Mm, mm. And unless you are that Guardo- guardiola for Messi, unless you are that Jurgen Klopp for Salah, then I'm not here for you, man. I'm here for myself until you until we build that relationship. Mm. And so by using the language that reinforces that hierarchy, you're not helping yourself because your feedback will be difficult because people will think about who you are to share this feedback. It's all about you, you, you. How about my career, my goals that I mentioned at the beginning? So listen to yourself during practices at work with your kids with your wife are you using things like I don't want you to do that again do that for me please right the more you're using it the more you are positioning yourself as a high in social status and the more difficult your conversations uh, in the future will be because of that
3: Mm -hmm. I think you know you make some very good points there building that relationship is obviously very key and vital I think in some you know some environments it's probably not as straightforward and I think a lot of frustration can certainly be built from a lot of people in those environments more specifically because especially with the pressures and demands to get results in certain ways um if we're looking at the more competitive aspect of things Mm -hmm. because you certainly then got a situation where have i got time to be building that relationship yeah who's who who have i got who who do i click with straight away that i can just get them on the track
2: yeah good point
3: you know that's another aspect of it and then you know another part is I think for all people, more specifically working in the coaching field, you've really got to consider, why, why are you there? Mm-hmm. You're there to help whoever you are, whoever's in front of, of course. you become a better version of themselves in, in whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and that's that should be irrelevant, or it should be irrespective of what level they're working at. Of course. So if you've got a group of 15 athletes, don't just focus on the top three.
4: Mm-hmm. Of course if
3: anything you might need to focus more on the others um, mm-hmm. and the types of this, you know looking at the type of feedback and support you're actually mm. in those top three might be very different it might even be involving them in that process of offering feedback to the rest of the group as an example yeah um, because in that in that way you're also then helping them become more self-aware and understand actually what is this person not quite getting right that I'm actually doing very well mm. um, so you know in some ways you're almost getting them to assess themselves and uh, look at more the you know the mechanics of what, they were, what, they, what they're doing themselves, developing that self-awareness.
2: Um, yeah. If you just, if you just, don't mind me just stopping you for a second, because you have mentioned the situation when you take over the team and you have to get those quick results. Absolutely, I understand there's a pressure and you have to do it. Then my advice is look at those small behavioral wounds that you can have. Like, it, it blows me away in a working sport, uh, sorry, working sport again, working world, when managers would walk through the business and just wouldn't shake the hands with everyone. I know it's COVID now, right now. It's... <laughs> So, but, you know, you would walk, walk into the business and you wouldn't greet every single person or you wouldn't say, you know, goodbye to every single person versus like, che- cheer you guys, take thanks a lot, take care, right? Those small wins of actually having this few seconds with each person looking at the and say, thank you very much for today. I appreciate you for X and Y builds that. So you can then go tougher in other areas, right? Another thing could be when you are you upfront with this is who you are, this is how you're going to manage, this is what you're going to do. But are you balancing right, challenging your people, but then praising at the same time? Because if you strike that balance, they don't mind being being challenged really hard. Like you can pound at it. But if every single thing that you do, you notice, you reward, and you mention it, you balance it, it. Dude, you're on the winning path. But if you think I need to get the results within the first ten games, so I'm gonna pound everything that I know and need from my team without praising and taking time about their emotional beings, then you're gonna lose because. Yes, we can sit down and say, you know what, I'm the coach. I've been hired, you've been hired, we get paid. But that's not how it works. We are not thinking creatures that, that feel. We are feeling creatures that think. We can't expect being professional in every single minute of our life. So you have to take about that emotional aspect of feedback, culture, and how you behave to end that right, to end the trust.
3: And just on that, you use a word that you know, I, I want to ask a question about, and I think it's very important, culture. How important is it, and you know, it would be interesting to get your views on this in terms of that culture and actually how that feedback then feeds into that because we are all different, mm-hmm. not just uh, you know on a human level, but yes, we're all from different cultures, different backgrounds. Yes, and obviously, certain cultures have different—I uh, uh, don't know how to describe it—traits and behaviours than others, and different traditions and you know thought process around certain things you know some cultures they don't look at you directly in the eye when they talk to you because it's a sign of disrespect others it's like no you have to look at me in the eye mm-hmm. Some are, are adverse to you know having any sort of physical contact so even that shaking hand element some people are quite intimidated by that even yeah. when there's no uh, intimidation into in, no, no intent behind that anyway mm-hmm.
4: um,
3: so there's so many different subtle things that you yeah. have to kind of think about where does feedback fall into that I and mean, how, how do we you know work around those things? What are the, well, the variables that you consider within that?
2: What a question, Yasar, and such an important one. Because look, I'm Polish. I grew, I was born, and and I grew in a country that belonged to the Soviet bloc back in the day. So I'm 30 years old. And I was raised in, in a different way. People would be raised in, in England, for instance. And I can see it in the workplace all the time. So especially if I'm working in hospitality, the teams are from all over the world. And I can see the dynamic, as you've mentioned, what's right for one person is not for the other person. You know, for me, for, for me as a Polish person, the concept of being professional is the most important part. To the point when we referring back to our managers, we don't referring to them through their names, but we're using this almost kind of like equivalent to Sir part. So sir, sir yes, sir, I've done this and that. I work with some Indian uh, chefs. And they would call me keep calling me Sir, which is uncomfortable for me. Mm. I'm not Sir. However, go back to that self-awareness and do the work. It's not comfortable for me, but you know what? That's it's important to him, and that's how he was born and raised and grew. So I need to celebrate, I need to embrace and under, understand it as well. Because if you're entering to the team, you need to do a little bit of your homework. Mm. You, you just have to, you need to understand what certain cultures are all about. Allowing them to be themselves as well. Don't criticize for them. Don't, don't you know, separate segregate it. in here, we behave that way. We are in England. We are in this club. No, no, no. You're just going to harm things. You just have to celebrate and accept it. But be also very clear about what's important to you and to others. One of the simple things, I, I don't know how it is in the sporting world, one mistake that I see managers doing in the workplace is that they don't get the people's names right. Such a simple and basic thing. It really, if you watch how people respond when they not being called by their real names or when they introduce yourself and they say, you know, that's my name, but you can call me that way. You can see, you can sense they're not comfortable with it, but because people being ignorant, that's how they communicate. Right. So, again, that's the part of building that relationship, understanding this is my culture. This is your, I celebrate you. I appreciate you. This is what we are. I understand that with you as a polish person i can go a little bit tougher because you that professional part. that's how you were born and raised
4: yeah.
2: maybe you're, you're spanish you're a bit more open you're a bit more kind of you know leaning kind of like you know, manana manana type of attitude so i can i can approach it differently so it's, that's my homework to be done but also be clear about hey this is who i am and this is how i how i work now one thing that you can't do as a manager is to follow the same pattern all the time and trying to implement because i'm polish And I'll I'll just put this, you know, uh, ways of being professional here and it's going to work for everyone. I've really learned a hard way as an athlete moving to the working place. I tried to bring this athlete-like mindset to the workplace without adjusting my self-awareness. And I caused more harm than good at the beginning because I couldn't understand, couldn't comprehend why people do not like feedback, why people don't like challenges the way I do, why they don't go after the goals the way I do. And in a way I thought they're not they weak. Right. So you know we you're against me. Um, I'm moving forward, you move aside. If you, you either go with me and we all go together, or you just you just you know you're just weakling kind of thing. And it hurts me to admit that, but that's that's just the mindset I tried to bring in. I just I couldn't connect with those that people can't be different because I grew in one environment where we all were behaving in that way, right? So as a manager, whatever you're coming from, you need to understand that. Now, the concept of feedback you've mentioned, very good one. Take Israelis and, and Japanese, for, for instance. And so it's a good contrast. And Kim Scott really explained it nicely in her book that being candid is the way moving forward in Israel. I asked one of my, my friends. And she said, Raf, we don't have time to, to mess around. Tomorrow, the bomb can just come on my, on my rooftop. And I just I don't have time to mess around. We just need to be direct. And for them, it's normal. I actually served one person from Israel. And he apologized profusely for being too direct moving forward with me i was like dude don't apologize for being yourself don't apologize for being who you are i appreciate that you let me know but don't apologize for that so in an aspect let me know but don't apologize for that because that's who you are that's what's important to you being direct with me if you if you do the same feedback approach with with a person from japan you're gonna cause yourself a harm so again back to self-awareness know and understand where to were to change your language, your tone, and then you build that relationship. But as a starting point, I'd say build psychological safety, rather be safe than sorry of, as in not withdrawing feedback, but use the terminology, the word like, you know, it seems like ask open-ended questions, allow themselves to be, to be, to be heard. But also when you step into the new team, how would you like, yes, sir, how would you like to be coached? How would you like to have my feedback? I'm really curious. You know what? Because I know that we're all from different parts of the world. And I've learned in the past, yes, sir, that the way I love my feedback, it's not the other people love the feedback. And it's not how people are comfortable sharing good with me. Because with me, you go brutal, yes, sir. You say what you need to say because I grow. I see my brain works feedback, growth, feedback, growth. And the more I grow, the more I can contribute back to my society. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you upfront and I tell you, how would you like your feedback? Because that's what works for me. That's my lessons in my, lo- my life. So please do that with me, but I would like you to do things the way you like it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a very good point. You know, I, often when I'm working with, um, you know, working with anyone, I, I'm very clear. This is how I work. This is why I work this way, and this, this is what I see to be the benefits of, of me working in this way. And this is what my experiences show me essentially. However, I'm appreciative of the fact that that might not be the way you want. This process to work. So, let's look at how you'd want it to work. Let's look at why you want it to look that way. Because, do you want it to look that way because you know that's what works for you, or do you want it to look that way because that's what keeps you in your comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think Good is an really important point is you know, i, I, I if you telling me don't be direct with me because it makes me feel uncomfortable, I'll be now I'll quiz you. Right, what is it that you're uncomfortable about? Is it mm-hmm. the fact that when I start asking you questions, you're not sure what you're going to answer, Mm -hmm. Um, which is okay. That's fine. You don't need to have an answer for everything, but the important part is, can you accept that you don't have an answer
4: Mm -hmm. rather
3: than looking for the right answer? I'm not interested in you having the right answer. There's no right answer for me in that respect. The best answer is the one that's honest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yes. Because then as soon as we identify that you don't know, You know, I always say that, okay, whether we're doing something well or whether we're doing something bad, if we're aware that that's what's happening, we're halfway there to moving that process forward. Mm -hmm. If we're not willing to identify and accept that we're at that point, we're not going anywhere. Absolutely. Um, So for me, that, 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 that piece is really important, you know, in identifying that feedback process. And, you know, for anyone that's either giving feedback now, I I totally Mm -hmm. agree with you, Ref. I think it's important for us to maybe declare and express, this is how I work. Is Mm -hmm. this right for you? But also equally offer that, you know, offer that option to kind of gain the insight of, right, how do you want me to work with you? Because this is my approach. This might not work for you. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work for you, that's not a problem. Sure. Which means let me identify what works for you and let's Mm -hmm. see how we can shift what I'm doing and kind of meet halfway in some capacity. Sure. Um,
2: Go on. The, the the time the time is precious, and so I don't want to go into two. Because I've got some feedback for you. I heard something you've saying, and I'll I'll just go straight into okay. it. You've mentioned you've mentioned that hey, you, you communicate with your team. This is this is how I do. This is how I work. But what works for you, let me know. What I would suggest is to add one sentence that would help you build a better relationship with your team. When you say this is how I am and I'm working on myself as we go along as well, what works for you is by the one extra sentence, it doesn't matter how you phrase it, but if you just added this is how I am, this is how I work, this is my style and I'm continuously working on it, yeah. what you're saying is I'm expecting you to improve, but I'm also working on myself. Yeah. And you're saying I'm willing to, to have a feedback. That one sentence sometimes makes a huge difference how yeah. it's being perceived because yeah. your intention is to grow, I totally understand that. but if I just meet you and I hear this is yeah. who I am, this is how I work, I may Confuse yeah. it and translate it as in you're the done product. You don't want any more feedback, mm. and you and you're being actually hypocritical because you want me to improve, but you you've sure. accepted who yeah,
3: you are. And I think just on that note, you, you make a very good point there, and I think it, it just resonates with me because it starts to think. I think about the times where maybe I've tried something different and tried something new. I'm quite open, nice with, with whoever that is, whether that be athletes or other coaches, right? I've never done this before, um, but we're gonna go on this journey together. Mm. To see how it works if it don't work.
2: I love this openness. I love this transparency. Because I think vulnerability. straight
3: away, for me, that sets the tone as if, no, I don't know it all. Good, good. I don't know it all. However, I'm trying to find out more.
2: And mm-hmm. I want you
3: to be on that journey with me. Love we it. We can have a discussion around, okay, did we actually get closer to where we wanted to get to? Did we even go in the right direction that we wanted to go in? Or did we just say, actually, do you know, we're halfway down this road. Let's turn and go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm fine with that. So I think from that perspective, I think, you know, it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, about ways in which you can kind of develop those relationships um, and yeah. that credibility. And I think that is, it is that element of, no, we're, we're on this journey together. Um, mm-hmm. so there might be things that have happened, that happen along the way where I might say, do you know what? I know we said, I, I know I said, I'm going to do it this way. However, because of X, Y, Z, I'm not sure that's going to be right for this anymore.
2: Um, it's good that you contextualize, and explain. Because yeah. of that, that and that. And and I love like I've made transparency one of my core values. And what I mean by that is when I coach or, or raise my kids, I explain exactly what I think, how I feel, what led me to this conclusion. Because my answers are not the right one. But I'm not only gonna give you the conclusions, I'll give you a bit more context in my journey. So if you follow a similar journey, you will see how I approached it, how I felt about it, and what caused yeah. The change of heart and change of mind um and it's really important i really love how you describe yourself that you're open to to not knowing all the answers being vulnerable and sharing it with your team because that's how you build that trust that's how you build that credibility because they want to see you as credible human being as just and and human being more importantly just like i like they are with faults with with downsides and being a continuous work in progress
3: definitely yeah, it yeah, there's been loads of interesting points that we've discussed over the last hour, or so, um, but I've got a question for you now. One question, yeah. By fire away. Um, and you're the first. You know, is a new question. I'm going to start bringing to all the shows, and I'm really mm. trying to get an answer for it. Nice. Now for you now you're getting you're curious, Rath Baron. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind with the work that you do?
2: Mm. It's a very good question. Love it. I partially answered it. I might need to ponder on it a bit longer later on, but, but I partially mentioned already, I set myself on the path to humanize feedback conversations. And it's it's a it's a it's um it's a goal that won't ever be accomplished because who's 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 gonna judge that? But I want to make that dent in the feedback world, in the coaching world and I want people to feel comfortable during feedback conversation, not like Regan did. And that was a pivoting point in my life. Like people just, feedback is part of our life. Whether you're a parent, uh, husband, wife, manager, coach, we're always going to engage in feedback conversations. Therefore, it looks like we're always going to experience stress. We shouldn't experience any stress during feedback conversations because it's a gift and it's an opportunity to grow. So the legacy that I want to leave is... To make feedback conversation a conversation that is free of stress and just everyone shares it freely and comfortably and know how to do that because it will help all of us grow and like i've mentioned already the more we grow as individuals the more we can grow and um, contribute to the to the world so my legacy would be humanizing feedback conversations and make it comfortable and frequent Excellent. that's my today's answer
3: Brilliant. Well, look, Raf, look, thank you very much for your time today. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I'm probably We could probably go on for hours about this, but mm. um, just, you know, again, if you know, any of the listeners wanted to know a little bit more about the, some of the things that we've discussed in this conversation, had any questions beyond what we've discussed here, um, but wanted to even know a little bit more about the work that you do. Is there some way they can get in touch with you to do that?
2: Yes, absolutely. So majority of my time is shared between LinkedIn, that's Raph Bottom. Um, and Instagram, that's raff, F-word, Coach, And I also have my website, www.feedbackcoach.co.uk. You can shoot me an email. I've got my Twitter account, but I'm not really using it. I don't want to lose my attention too much. So maybe one day I'll start again. But LinkedIn and Instagram will be the main one. Facebook as well. Or check my website. There is always that. Or simply follow hashtag FWord. Um, hashtag effort that's F-word Coaching. That's... Um, for all my content is being highlighted in that way. So you can, you can share it and see it there. And lastly, it's my podcast, Coaching Leaders, where my goal is to help managers become a better coaching leader. So it's all about how can you get better at coaching others, whether it's self-awareness, feedback, or anything in between. That's my podcast.
3: Excellent.